Hello, Macro. Good to see you. Have you been here before? Yeah, I just, uh, I have a couple of dogs here. This might not work. Okay. No, it didn't. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't want to end this call. Okay. Is Macro on the list? Yes. Can anyone else hear me? Macro. Hello? And their uh, phone. And I was like, oh, my. Hope this isn't bad, but then it's just... Hello? 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 Should I hang out? No. <laughs> hmm, I wonder. So, uh, yes. What, what do you, what's your take on uh, Mike's new, new uh, artworks? Well, I think having Charlie Morgan read the, the Blood Trail was very wise. Yeah. Um, the Michael Perry... Um, I know it's outsider and all, but I didn't feel like his vocal delivery was quite as good as it could have been, and I think he could have done a better job. Quite I think when, yeah, when he does it in the future, if he does, I think he'll, like, you know, not be so slacker about it. Yeah, I don't think he expected anything like the reaction he got. He's like, yeah, it's kind of like Trump in a way. <laughs> You know, like he was just, it was like a gesture, and then people took Started it seriously. Started taking it, you're right. And now Mike like, is like Donald Trump. That is a <laughs> wonderful observation. I mean, not in all ways. No, just... Mike's not a billionaire. Just in being thrust into the spotlight and not really uh, planning for it. <laughs> yes. To, uh, to defend that, though... Um, Sometimes I wonder if that's why so many people, just speaking about music in general, why why so many people always like the first album of a lot of bands? Like, oh, their first album was the best. And I always think it's because it's because of that same scenario where um, where uh, where the artist is doing it and they're completely themselves, right? And they didn't have any pretense that this is going to leave anything other than their the, their families or circle of friends. Right. And so I, I always wonder yeah, that's what, what, is, what is it about oh. knowing that you could have an audience or you have an audience that suddenly takes that special thing away. And uh, Right. Well, and then there's also who the audience got to know. And then do you have to maintain that? How do you develop it without losing the people that liked you from the beginning? And there's also the old saying that, you know, you got 10 years to write the first album and one year to write the second one. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> That's good. Who said that? I don't remember. That's been around for a long, long time. But yeah, I've watched it happen. Although I think the Alabama Shakes might be be an exception to that rule. I haven't bought the new record, but everything I've heard has really just been developed, you know, developed a little bit more from what they did on the first one, like the ideal way to do it. You know, they started getting a little more experimental and a little wilder, not quite as stiff. And I think that's like the ideal sophomore record. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't know if it's as consistent as the first one, so... That will require further research. Back to the uh, AP Mike song, Frederick. Have, yes. you heard, uh, have you heard what he, what he's kind of spoofing? Yes. Sun Kill Moon? Yeah, you've heard that record? 
Well, I actually I've heard a few other songs. I haven't heard the whole record, but I did listen to because isn't he isn't he uh, spoofing one particular song? Yeah. Yeah, I heard the one particular song, and then an FOT several years ago sent me a compilation of music, and it included Sun Kill Moon, so it wasn't like out of the blue for me. Right. But hey, I, can you guys hear me? Hello? It just doesn't seem to be working. All right. I, I switch computers. Well... You might have to go to your uh, system preferences and check sounds. I know, because that happens on mine sometimes, especially if I haven't plugged in a mic for a while. I'm going to put you on mute for for a minute. uh, No problem. Go ahead. Have some crackers. Oh, yeah. Okay, back to you, Evan. Yeah. You're supposed to talk. Me? No, yeah. I'm not. I don't even know myself. Good. what uh, you having good weather down there this year, this summer? You know, heavy humidity and in the night, in the eighties, high eighties, low nineties. Yeah, eighty-eight at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And boy, was I wrong! It just kept getting hotter and hotter, and then you're drinking beer, and it's getting hotter and hotter. You know, then there's sweat everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've been in New York since 1986, and the, the the heat feels hotter this summer. It's something more intense. It's it's wild. Yeah, something's going on. Something's really wrong. Epic. Where do you where do you live? Or I live like, in New York City. In New Jersey. New York City. New York City. New York City. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I what? I live in Seattle, which is it is, isn't that far even that much further north than New York and uh, our, our summer has started about a month or two early as well. Interesting, because see I just thought that was a Florida phenomenon and that we were paying the price for having such a beautiful winter, you know. Mm-hmm. Being, we we, we had, uh, we were very lucky though, I mean, the entire West Coast uh, had probably the mildest winter on record. Um, we didn't have any snow, we barely had any rain, during our winter and it wasn't it wasn't even that cold here one or two days where it snows and everyone freaks out but uh because uh up until a few weeks ago the sun was setting at like 9 30 p.m snows and everyone freaks out yeah there's there's not much nighttime at this time of year i mean the days are now slowly getting shorter again and everyone freaks out but so that's kind of Right, but so you were down to like only eight hours of darkness? What's interesting is that there's a concept of uh, idea of true nighttime, as in it's actually like truly dark, goes away around late June, early July. And everyone freaks out. So once you get up to Bellingham on, on solstice, the sky never actually truly gets for black. even like a minute, for even a minute. In Seattle, it, it, it will get black for only 45 minutes. <laughs> wow, wow. Hey, can you guys hear me again? Yes, we can. Okay, good, okay. You were right, you were right about system preferences. I've made that mistake so many times, I ought to learn something and be able to share it. So yeah. I'm glad it worked. But yeah, I was up in Seattle for about five days and people kept commenting about how it hadn't rained. And it was really something. The only rain we had was a little bit, one afternoon for about, I don't know, 30 minutes? And yeah. Yeah, and then they said, 
this is amazing. I can't remember the last time it went three days without raining, you know? And I was like, wow. I'm glad they did it for me. That was very pleasant. <laughs> when, when was this? Oh, I don't know. Probably, it was probably around 2007, 2008. Somewhere around. Oh there. man. Well, I, I wasn't. I hadn't started listening to the best show by then. So. I don't think I had either, Macro. So. Yeah. But I did go up to Pike, Pike Place Markets. Yeah, always. Pike. It's super touristy, but you have to go. That's that. It's definitely way more than a space needle. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I walked around that down below and went to the park with artwork in it. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, I liked it very much. And then Pike's Place was good. I mean, two record stores. I don't know if they're still there. I think one of them was called Singles Go and Stay. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's around. I, I uh, it was probably on Second Street. I'm guessing. Yeah. That, that's a that's a. I hope it's still around. It's a good store. It's a good general punk garage metal. You know, yeah. aggressive rock record store basically. And rockabilly. They, yes, yes. They had the rockabilly with the X-rated covers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very very much very much a very much an underground, but like a more or less underground rock record store. Yeah, and I picked up a Sonics record while I was there, of course, because I didn't have one, and I figured I was in Seattle, so I had to get it there. But yeah, so you guys are getting '90s too. Epic's getting '90s. Brian, he's up in northern New York. We're, we're down to talking weather right now. Yeah, I, the reason I asked about Florida was because my dad said that, that the weather's been great this summer, and he's outside of Palm Beach. Well, maybe a little farther south than it isn't so bad, and that's across the... That, he's on the Atlantic coast, right? Yeah. Yeah. It may be a little bit different over there. I guess it depends on how much time you spend outside, too, you know? But yeah. I, I spend a significant amount of time outside, and it, I can tell. And I know what July is like, and I know what August is like, and that's why I usually go on vacation at the end of July, because I can't take the heat anymore. Right. need a week or so off, and then I usually go up to the Northeast. But that sounds like that might be a waste. Yeah, it feels hot in the city, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the city's got the problem with everything being closed in, you know. Yeah. It's like like a microwave of sorts. All that now, concrete. And it's like so much nice. Excuse me? When I go to Connecticut, it, it's just a whole different thing. Yeah, well, that's where I'd be heading to, so maybe that's still not a bad idea then. So if you start to follow the uh, election yet? Uh, I'm trying not to. Because I know it's such a scam. And most of the people they're talking about are not going to be around anymore. But yeah, Donald Trump, well, or the media makes Donald Trump impossible to ignore. I like Bernie Sanders and his ideas, but I don't think he's a realistic candidate. Right. I did hear, though, that Elizabeth Warren could be... uh, Positive, and honestly, I don't think Jeb Bush would be the worst thing in the world. I mean, in the relative company of the people in his car, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, he's so centrist. Yeah. I mean, it, right? Honestly, if we vote Clinton or we vote Bush, we're basically going to end up with the same policies. To be exactly. Frank. 
Yeah. And, and what's the, who's the Rand Paul? Nothing's shaking for him, huh? No, Trump sucked all the air out of it, so nobody's, uh, nobody's doing anything. Well, I do think it's kind of interesting because, I mean, his, his, his attacks are definitely racist-based. Oh, yeah. I heard somebody say, well, you don't hear him railing about the Canadians. <laughs> it's true. You know, when he's talking about protecting borders, he's not worried about the Canadians coming in. So what's the big difference, you know? Yeah, but, but he's already got everybody fooled this time. I'm like, I don't think he's going to run, do you? Well, what I understand is he wasn't really. He was just doing this as a promotional thing, you know, because he likes to do stuff like that. But that what happened is he lost a number of accounts, right? Like, didn't he lose the Miss America pageant and then yeah, yeah. some Spanish language one? And then mm -hmm. now he's actually paid more than he had planned for his, and that, you know, with him going to the top, I think his ego just, he can't resist. But he can never release his financial documents because people would know that he's not that rich, or not as rich as he said. Hmm. Yeah, because what he said was worth like eight billion or something. Yeah, yeah, no, he's worth like you know a billion or something. Really? Oh, it's all paid up, and so no one ever thought he would actually do it because he would never release that stuff. But uh, who knows? Now he. So he would lose a lot of credibility then if it was yep. shown that he was exaggerating to that degree. Well, maybe maybe I'm exaggerating, but it's not eight, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But whatever it is, he doesn't want to but. Yeah, well, I did just read a fact check where he said his book, I, for, I don't know what the name of it is, but he said his book was the best-selling business book of all time. And, of course, you can't go back at all time, but since they kept records, his was maybe, well, I don't even know where it ranked with all business books, but they picked, like, the five biggest ones, like how to win friends and influence people, and then there's a couple other ones. I had uh, I don't think so. No, it was oh, really? more like more hands-on, like management stuff. And, oh, right, and right. I think rich dad, poor dad fit in that category for oh, business yeah. advice. But it was all of those sold better than his did by significant amounts. I mean, like one had 1.7 million over the like from 2007 till today, and then his book had like. 17,000 or something. I mean, it wasn't even in the neighborhood, so they they said that they couldn't do a total fact check because they didn't have all of them, but he definitely was not the number one or number right. two or number three or number four, so you know, that that would be interesting to stack up these exaggerations one right next to another. But I had a guy tell me that he said, I would never vote for Donald Trump. But you know, when he said he'd bring the jobs back to America, I wanted to vote for him. Right. And I was like, yeah, me too, but I don't think the president can bring jobs back to America by himself. Right. But yeah, he's, you know, he's catching the ones that aren't really thinking. It's emotion, you know, wishful thinking, desire. But he's exposed himself to be such a jerk. Like, doesn't he, like, fire people on TV and stuff? Yup. Yeah, but to, to a lot of, like, old people, he's, like, the 
image of success, you know? Oh, the American dream personified, except for he didn't really come from... He's, yeah. He's that, no yeah. Horatio Alger. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Americans uh, like to think of themselves as uh, temporarily impoverished, you know, future millionaires. Yeah, I, I remember uh, Marco Rubio saying something like, you know, well, we don't want to drag everybody down. We want to bring everybody up. And, and then he said, that's not logical, you know, because then there won't be an up if you bring everybody up. <laughs> and then, you know, and he didn't say anything about dealing with income equality. But they do say that Americans have been so sold on that dream of success that they don't want us to tax rich people because they don't want to be taxed like that when they get rich. Exactly. Exactly. What a scam. Oh, yeah. So how about you, Macro? You paying any attention to the presidential stuff at all? Yeah, I paying a lot of attention. There's re not really much I can say. You got, well, I'm pretty much on the same page as you guys. Uh, Rick, um, Rick, it, it's, Rick Perry looks smarter with glasses, though, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, Trump oh. made fun of his glasses. Oh, man. See, there he goes again. He keeps getting in the zingers. Donald. Yeah, he's not constrained by, you know, the, the political... Uh, Niceties. No, that's why people love him. It, it's interesting because, you know, even Palin and Reagan, they were governors before they ran. Right. Which is hard to believe because there's the, Palin and Reagan were so... You know, now Reagan, I mean, back in the 80s, people took Reagan very seriously, but uh, now it's like thinking about Palin and Reagan, they, they seem just as much like comic book characters as Trump does, but Trump never actually had office. Mm -hmm. I mean, po political office. Right. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. The right. they, all three are cartoons, but two of them were cartoons you could at least sort of take seriously. Yeah, which made them more dangerous in a way. That's why I'm not. Oh, so maybe we should elect the cartoon character. No, 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 no. I'm not oh, saying. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying. Uh, uh, the, Trump's no, no. the way to go. I'm just saying, worrying about Trump winning. I don't. I'm not too worried about him winning because there are still people, regardless of which which sports team, a.k.a. political party they're rooting for, that they're not going to vote for any anybody who's never had experience before. Well, that's just, that's, and, and that's mainly older voters, too, so well, Trump, he's not going to become have, president. Obama didn't have much experience. Well, he, he was a senator. Yeah, and no I mean, executive that was, experience, though, like a governor. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that people who uh, that people who hold office. Excuse me, that was a very phlegmy way of saying that word. Not, not, I'm, I don't mean to say that people who hold office are necessarily great at it. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I I was reading up on Reagan's uh, when he was Cal governor of California from the late '60s to the early '70s, and uh, or actually to the mid '70s, and. Um, you know, he. Some of the quotes he said were even worse than the ones he w was quoted saying while he was president. And I, you know, it's just like. Can you can you think of any? Can you paraphrase a couple for us? 
Well, I mean, the, like basically a whole bunch of, you know, he was, Reagan was way more uh, offensive than Nixon was, which is, you know, think about that. <laughs> you mean racially, right? Uh, more like his anti-hippie rhetoric was oh. way more inflammatory. Yeah, but well, I mean that was it was totally cool especially by uh, especially by like 1969 1970 like post Altamont basically uh, oh everybody was sick of hippies anyway yeah hippies was it, making fun of hippies was a great way to make friends and gain you know to, to gain respect and that you know that's <laughs> that was a reality sadly enough but uh I'm, I'm actually doing like a, a weird music project focusing on the year 1970. So I'm learning a whole bunch of really? crazy stuff about like the mood, what what the mood was like politically at the time. So <laughs> didn't the Stooges Funhouse come out in 1970? Yeah, it did. I'm trying to think what else. There was a lot of interesting stuff right around that. That's a heavy. That's a heavy music year in many ways. Uh, yeah, two, both of Black Sabbath's first albums came out that year. Uh, Led Zeppelin II was charting. Led Zeppelin III was released. Uh, Uriah Heep's debut. Uh, I mean, tons of heavy stuff. Like all the all the all the major canonical German psych bands had their either breakthroughs or the, breakthroughs or their debuts that year. Yeah. So. But so you can almost you're I, I understand that you're saying that the mood like the zeitgeist was had gotten so dark after the idealism of the hippies were crushed. Well, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's it was all about timing and 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 you know quantization of the decade. Like Altamont happened in December 1969. Mm. That was national news, and uh, also. While the draft was voted in in 69, it took effect in 1970, and then there was the Kent State shootings in May, which was which happened right around the same time that the Beatles' Let It Be was released, which was really weird. Uh, and the Jackson 5's first breakthrough at the same time, too. Uh, um, yeah, it was just, everyone was... You know, the people who were not happy with Nixon, I mean, they couldn't do much, and it was just really depressing to be a hippie that year, <laughs> basically. I mean, the Black Panther movement was, was still very much active. Uh, Jefferson Airplane was starting to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Hendrix died. Janis Joplin died. Um, you, as you can tell, I've, I've been working on this Oh, yeah, no, no. I go through phases like that, too. That's fine. I love it. I'm glad to hear what you got to say. It, it, it got so bad in the sense that by the uh, so I was at the library going through all the Rolling Stone magazine archives and uh, for the last issue of uh, the final issue of 1970, um, John Landau wrote this review saying it's too late to turn back. And I was reading it, going, "What is that? What is he talking about?" He's actually talking about. People, people were apparently arguing that rock music was about to die, mm. and, and actually taking that argument seriously—that rock music slash hippie slash et cetera et cetera was about to run its course, and things were going to—and things were going back to the solo pop artists supposedly. Of course, that didn't happen. But well, didn't it happen now this year? 
Uh, it's happened for quite a while. I mean, the, the, the internet's the a whole other world. <laughs> I'm sorry? When was the last time, really, that there was a rock? I mean, even, like, Green Day or something, right? Wasn't that, like, the last time rock and roll was... Who was it? I mean, it's weird because what happened is in the mid-2000s, I think 2004, Billboard um, changed the way they tabulate uh, the top what the top 40 is or the top 100. Um, it used to be... It used to be kind of, I don't know how to put it, but I mean, it used to be sort of more of an agglomeration of various uh, commercial radio stations registered with Billboard, and they would come in and report their sightings. Right, and the record stores used to play a role. I mean, probably not anymore, but I know they used to. Yeah, the uh, the thing about the, the thing about the way it used to be was, I mean, if you notice, the top 100 had just a lot more artists in general. It just seemed like it was more of a there was just more artists on the charts, period. But and the whoever would become number one would switch every week or so, with the occasional exception. Mm-hmm. But ever since they redid, they, they tabulate to be more like it, basically they just counted how many times songs are played. Basically, they right. in, in, instead of instead of taking data, what happens is is that a song will be, now be number one for like months. Mm-hmm. There will be only like four or five number ones. Total unique number ones for a year. Right. Like Usher's Yeah was like number one for half a year. I think, That's probably something. partially due to marketing, though, and you know the the crowd effect. You know when you can get people to follow. Yeah, yeah it's 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 and the thing is I don't have anything in I'm not inherently okay. The, the idea of using raw data to tabulate that and see what it what it's really like, I'm not against that. I mean, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. But um, the side effect it's had is uh, it's kind of like basically what's happened is is that diversity fell fell oh. with with the change. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Did and you see uh, dance to this song video. The, the dance to the song is the name of the song? Yeah, what they did was they took all the stuff that's in popular music at this time as far as the beats, the breaks. They simplify, you know, the number of chords used. And they said the music is actually getting worse. Popular music is getting worse. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I've, I have friends who are... They have been writing about pop music for a while, and they would agree. But it's it's weird. weird. It's just like um, I I you know how I discover what's on the charts these days is Vine, and it's not like I'm seeking out music on Vine. It's all the comedy vines that are making dropping in samples of pop hits, and that's how I find out. Oh, that oh that's oh that's what that song is. Like Drake, I found out about Drake mainly through comedy vines. <laughs> and, and when I say comedy vines, I put quotes around it because uh, it's it's they're, most of them are not really funny. <laughs> they're, they're 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 just yeah. Please don't take all the pain pills because if anything ever happens to you, I sell off everything we own. Somebody's having seizures. Sounds terrible. 
Okay. No, I'm just telling you in advance. Okay. Oh, that you're going to have a seizure. The whole thing that we own. Uh-huh. The move. Oh, the move? Boy, Adam sounds like a woman. I recommend... Uh, Don't tell me how to live my life. It's just... <laughs> I think they may have muted us, but not their mic. Hey, Adam? This is interesting. No? Should I dump them? Guys? Yo. Should I, Yo. Should I get rid of Adam, or should we let him rumble around in the background? I was smoking. I don't know what's going on. Well, Adam is was talking to a woman. Adam Bianacci, the guy with the hat. Can you see him? Yeah, yeah, I see him. Well, he's being quiet now, so I guess I won't dump him yet. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Macro. So I was going to look to see if I could find this. It was actual scientific study about the quality and the that they're actually using algorithms so that the music is getting more and more similar as far as the number of beats and the tempo and everything? You know, the whole science of pop music is just, it's just, it's kind of like the Alan Moore quote, which is a lot of people, you know, want, you know, come up with very elaborate conspiracies about, you know, this is the way, this is how pop music's done, but... The, the reality is more scary, which is nobody actually has any idea what they're doing in, in reality, and nobody really has as much power as you think you do. And so I think what's going on is um, the way I think the way pop music, the way it is now, is, is just a byproduct of it's more like the music industry is not paying less attention to, to the actual music. I mean, with and it's more about the stardom rather than the music. Like, American Idol kind of changed everything in that sense. Mm. It's about the... It's, it's, I mean, it's always been about the spectacle, spectacle obviously, but uh, it's now like... That's like 98% of it. And the music's kind of like a byproduct of it. Because music, you can't really make much money off music anymore. Yeah, well, and I, I was trying to, you know, say that how bad it is, but I mean, the reality is that, uh, you know, pop music used to be super uh, formulaic too, you know, you know, verse. Oh, it always has, yeah. Verse, verse, chorus, repeat the first verse out, you know, maybe a little instrumental break it out, you know. But that, I guess, was also due to the limitations, you know, when you only had one side of a 45. You couldn't do an epic song. Yeah, with except for Stairway to Heaven or Hey Jude, it's like it's it's more. I mean, even back in the fifties and sixties, people figured that yeah, three minutes is kind of around the limit where people start getting bored with something. <laughs> and uh, it, I think that what's interesting about this uh, thing where I'm kind of looking into seventy stuff. Um, is uh, 
The 70s was really the most chaotic pop period, I think, because, you know, aside from the late 60s, uh, most of the 50s and 60s were pretty formulaic, too. And uh, the 80s definitely got formulaic. And Right. Well, and even, even if you listen to, like, commercial jazz from that, you know, from its era of the 50s, you know, a lot of it was pretty safe, and the, the guys that were doing the exciting stuff weren't getting played on the radio. Right, right. Well, Ornette was not being played after uh, Benny Goodman or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Nineteen <laughs> seventy. Did the arena tour start then, or was that uh, later? Good question. Uh, that is a great one. That happened. I uh, I think like the Stones I- came and played the big shows in '69. You know that that tour was big, but that was like was that when did the arenas start? Like the the like like I was I were talking about like the the precursors to the we got tons. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Woodstock kind of changed all of that in a way. Not not everybody was as disorganized as Woodstock, but the whole idea of we can. Are, are we talking about like package festival? No, I think he's arenas, talking or? about when they started playing at arenas where they weren't just in a club anymore. It had gotten bigger, and the productions had gotten bigger. You know, yeah, like like so, deep purple stuff and right, yeah. Yes, Pink Floyd. You know, they, they were geared to play an arena. Right. You know, where as opposed to like a, even like a gymnasium or something. I mean, that, like I don't think Buddy Holly ever played an arena, did he? No way. No, I didn't think so. It's, uh, I mean, except except for the Beatles that played stadiums in the mid-60s, I mean, I think it was just a gradual thing that just started happening. It was, it was definitely a 70s thing. I don't, I don't think it was a 1970s-specific thing because more and more arena shows became... There were just more and more arena shows as the 70s progressed, and uh, it never really stopped. So... Um, but it, what I have noticed in 1970 was it was a post-Woodstock thing where it was the more the the package festival thing. That's that's when that really became a thing. There was a there was one in Canada. There was a whole there was there was a lot more big rock festivals that happened because everyone now wanted to do their own Woodstock. Right. And, you know, except for things like the Monterey Pop Festival, I mean, and there were precursors to Woodstock, but Woodstock, you know, was national news, and it it was such a big thing, but also such a DIY thing that it was easy to kind of forgive how unorganized it was that I think everyone got the little light bulb idea and just thought, hey, you know. Yeah, if we tighten this up a little bit, we could make some money off of it. Exactly. Yeah. So are you going to do a song cycle then about 1970 or what? Come on. Pretty much. I mean, what what this is going to be, it's probably, I, I don't know if it's going to be like like a podcast or a video thing. And um, I'm still figuring stuff out. I, you know, to follow a certain someone's advice, I'm trying to not talk about yeah, it so I, much, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just curious how you're but, but, uh but yeah, I mean, I, I can't. This no one will care for this if it's just me talking about it. Right. Um, I definitely want to. I can't play entire songs because of uh, fair use issues, but I can play song excerpts, and that's that should be totally fine. Oh, and that's how you're going to do it as you put it together. 
there'll be just montages of songs. I mean, what I want to do is I want to focus on a few key albums. I mean, when I say key, key to me, that is. And, right, right. But try to bring up everything. I mean, country was was really good that year. I mean, a lot of people don't... People, I mean... And, you know, when the late 60s came about, everyone kind of forgot about country, but it was still happening, and there was a lot of good country still. Yes. Yeah, and it was and there was a, a, it was still really connected to the roots at that point, too, not so contrapolitan, you know, which is like, you know, people almost seem like they're playing dress-up and stuff, but... Yeah, uh, that was a big year for Johnny Cash, I think, um, and... Uh, who else? There was, I mean, that was actually 1970. That was that was probably the best, as far as like the songs we know from James Brown. His best known songs were were 1970. The songs that you you'll still hear being sampled. Now you've confused me a little bit though, because I don't usually associate James Brown with country music. Oh, I meant 1970, not country music. Okay, sorry. Okay. Okay. I, that, uh, yeah, what, what? I mean, you haven't heard James Brown's country album? Well, you probably does, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I won't be surprised if he somewhere yeah. he, he tried that style and, and it, it's just out of one of his 200 albums right, that right. he released. Somewhere in there is, is a, he has a country song. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be either. He, he knew about marketing and what stuff was hot. Yeah, I just pulled up 1970, the top songs. Tom T. Hall, Merle Haggard. Oh, Fighting Sight of Me. That's a good one. The the Merle Haggard song in particular, that was very much a pro-Nixon anthem. Yeah, I know. Boy, now he tries to get out of that. I don't blame him. (laughs) Same thing with Oki from Muskogee. Yes, yes. Haven't you ever heard of, you know, just art, you know, I'm just creating a character. It doesn't mean it's me. Right, right. I, I have no... I, I'm not going to... I don't hold any 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 anger towards uh, Merle Haggard for writing that song. I mean, he writing a song is not always an admission. I mean, it can sometimes be, especially if the artist says it is. Right. But, well, in, in his case, though, I mean, it seemed like he played that up for a while and then... When it started seeming, you know, kind of regressive, he's now just dismisses it. So I don't know. Now he's writing pro pop music with Willie Nelson. Yeah. Have you heard that song? It's all going to pot. <laughs> I, I've not heard the song. It's um, a good heard- song. It really is. It's oh. funny. I wouldn't buy it, but yeah, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard. And it's a nice, you know, the typical play on words with country about the world's all going to pot, but then at the end, Willie's money's all going to pot, you know, he's not going to give it to the beer, the whiskey companies or anything. (laughs) It's all going to pot, so it's a nice little turn of thing. But yeah, I see Conway Twitty was big, Tammy Wynette was there, 
Jerry Lee Lewis was in the country charts. He's a uh, yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis had a major. I was a little bit surprised. He had a major resurgence that year. Basically, what happened is is that uh, Sun uh, was it Sun Records or was it, it was another label? He had just changed labels, and so what happened is his old label just started releasing a whole bunch of early stuff and outtakes like one after the other that year, and then it got a whole bunch of people excited. Of course. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis wasn't that excited about that because right. he, he basically his label was making that money and not him. So there was some lawsuits. Oh, I think. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. I think so. I, I either that either there were there were lawsuits or there was a lot of bad blood. But uh, right. But it was a great year to be a Jerry Lee Lewis fan. So. <laughs> okay. If you can, you see the chat macro. <clears throat> The text part of the chat. Hold on, let me go back. Alright. Okay, yeah, I can see it. I right put there. that link to that song. I can't believe it's got four million hits now. It's taken off. <laughs> but that's where the guys go, and neither of them are musicians. But they just studied what was going on in the songs. They they're the ones that did the analysis that you know would check in the uh, variations between popular songs and they're showing how formulaic it's gotten. Now every time I hear a certain beat, all I hear are the words, dance to this song, dance, because that's what they did as their hook, you know? And so it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. But even when I was in Chicago, and actually anywhere you get near college students pretty much, you hear that beat, it's the same one. It kind of reminds me of when disco got, you know, I don't know, so formulaic and people were so rigid about sticking to the formula. At least the stuff that got on the radio that I heard before I quit listening to the radio. I, I actually, disco was my first music love and it was right after Dem Disco Demolition Night when I first got into it. <laughs> of course, as a kid, I didn't know what that was, but... <laughs> But, you, you didn't know what that disco demolition night was? Not not when I was like seven years old. Yeah. Now that kind, that kind of had it was race racially tinged as well. Yeah, it, it was all sorts of isms. <laughs> yeah, anti-gay too. Right. Although you know what? As much, even though I grew up on disco, and even though I still listen to it. A lot of people hated disco for the right reasons. Um, the music industry was basically just bankrupting itself because it was only releasing disco, and a lot of in, in the same way that basically, you know how people are complaining about they can't get their records pressed in time because everyone's printing up their vanity record store day picture disc items. Yeah, that's what disco was in the late 70s, especially 79, it had reached that peak of just ridiculousness. And, you know, you'd have to say, you, have, you know, in 78 or so, you'd have to sound like, you'd have to have something disco-y in what you were doing in order to get signed. <laughs> and then a year later or two, it was a reverse. So it, it's fascinating. It's, but the, I, I want to go up, up each year, starting in 1970 with this thing I'm doing. And, I'm, I can't wait to get to like 77 to 82 because like so many things change in those five years, five or six years.
Hello. Uh, hey. Did we lose somebody? Is this epic? Yeah. Yeah, Frederick, are you there? I, I don't have the luxury of being able to see if he's set to wait or not, unfortunately. Come right here! Anyway. Well, I, I hear you. Saying I, I can't, I, unfortunately, I can't see anybody. Well, we can't see each other either. All we got are icons. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. A list of albums released of Chris Gow's favorite records from 1970. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. It's uh, there's some there's some obvious ones. You know what's crazy is how much he hated Black Sabbath and King Crimson. Really. Yeah, actually, I mean, maybe not so surprising he hated Black Sabbath because actually a lot of people hated Black Sabbath at the time. In a way, it was sort of like what they do, you know, those albums like Paranoid and Iron Man. I mean, they totally are part of the rock canon now, and they totally sound they sound perfectly normal today. But back then, I mean, it was kind of like if the if like the band Flipper had, you know, gotten out of the pop charts. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if, if, like, Sex Bomb Baby, Baby was being played on the radio, like like major radio stations. The, I mean, the guitar sound sounded ill, like literally ill. Like, right. You know, the beginning of Iron Man. People did not like that. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, a lot of people didn't like Sabbath when they first started. But, uh, the, but yeah, I mean, he, he, his review of the first King Crimson album, Kirska, that is, um, it is so brutal. It's funny. And I, I, I like some of the negative reviews, even if I disagree with them. But, like, his review, he called it Air Sats shit or something. <laughs> <laughs> He could not like the later stuff, right? I mean... Uh, you're talking about King Crimson? Yeah. Um, he, he... Like other iterations of them, like in the Red or... The, yeah, yeah, he, he started he getting did. on board. He liked Red. <clears throat> I think because he said it was loud. It sounds like a Chris Gow-approved record to me, yeah, he liked Red, and uh, but he he really did not like In the Court of the Crimson King. I mean, obviously the band was changing from the get-go, so it was always Robert Fripp and whoever he. Well, that was Fripp's plan, I believe, was to yeah yeah to keep changing all the time, which is pretty you know that's like anti-pop music to begin with, you know, rather than fight. If you check what I say, it's all about formula, and that's like anti-formula. Right, right. Between changing styles and changing players, and yeah, their changes seem more extreme to me than like Bowie's changes, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe from album to album, but I don't know. From if you look at you know what Bowie was doing, like on Diamond Dogs, and then you go to Low. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty damn dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of like when Iggy did that with uh, The Idiot. You know, that didn't sound like anything he had done before. 
Yeah, that was. Uh, I think I don't know how he did it. I, I whatever Bowie did. I mean, it it was never a shock. It was it was never a huge shock from one album to the next. I don't think. I, I think Low was probably the biggest shock, not mainly because of side two, because you know. All of a sudden, you don't hear his voice anymore, and you know a lot of people still bought Bowie records because, you know, he was so out there, and it was more about the his 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 spectacle. And well, it's not a David Bowie record if he's not singing the most. Yeah, and uh, so you know, side side one, obviously, you know, right. But you know, once people—I wonder what the first people who bought Low on the first day it came out, and then they put on side two, and then were waiting for him. I wonder—I wonder what they were thinking. <laughs> think they got a defective one or something? Oh, I don't—I don't think they were done with this one yet. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like you know, I—I I don't think I think there's something wrong with this record. Like David Bowie's voice is not on on this copy. Can I return this? <laughs> or at least half off, you know. <laughs> so wait, what what exactly are you doing? Are writing? You're not you're not writing something about this, are you? Uh, it's a, po- a series of podcasts. It's I think not it's going to be a PowerPoint epic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, maybe that maybe that's what it's destined to be. Or whatever the whatever the whatever whatever iOS calls it. Oh, notes or keynote. It'll just be that. <laughs> no. I'm, I, I, you know, he's going to do a video and he's going to be standing there with his uh, pointer stick, <laughs> <laughs> playing snippets of the songs, but making sure to stay under the amount of time that. Uh, and I'm, I'm gonna get those. I, I'm gonna get those little elementary school desks that are kind of all in one, where the desk kind of curves in. Yeah, like the Ramones sat in Rock and Roll High School. <laughs> so such that it's it's perfectly uncomfortable, no matter what size you are. Right, you're not gonna <laughs> fall asleep in that, baby. Exactly, and and I'll, I'm just gonna hire some people. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to sit where th- their faces will never be shown. It'll just be the back of their heads for five hours, and I it will, and the camera will focus purely on me just talking. No, I'm, I, I, no, I actually, I, it's gonna be the opposite of that. I don't, I don't want anybody to even look at look at my body or anything. Well, I was gonna say, and then you could do like film strips. And everything. I, could, you, could you repeat that? I'm sorry. Yeah, you could do like film strips and everything for the class, and you could explain to them. Rock and roll in 1970. <laughs> and then just do dream sequences, to, because you know, obviously, while I'm talking, I will be sitting there, and my eyes will look up and go, ah. I remember, <laughs> and then doodly 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 doodly, and then there's a shot of me looking horrified at the back of Woodstock. <laughs> I just came to see Shauna Na. That that was a, that's a thing that's so weird to me is that Shauna Na played Woodstock. Yeah. I didn't even know they were around that that far back. Doodly 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 doodly
it's uh, I talked to one per- co-worker way back who actually went to Woodstock and uh he, he, you know, he was definitely he was very much not a person who does not do drugs. He was just he was just as they call him a straight. Right. <laughs> and uh, and he he went with a bunch of friends because they were big fans of the band Mountain. You know, who were great. I mean, Mississippi Queen. That's an amazing song. I I thought that was that that was kind of cool to hear. But anyway, uh, he talked about the whole experience and like basically ninety percent of it is just being in a car waiting to get in and then waiting in a car to get out and he they only stayed for like an hour <laughs> that was a lot of people's experience with Woodstock is this is I, I this is taking too long and I need to get back now and that's pretty much I talked to one other person who went to Woodstock and uh, he he didn't even get to the to the gates. Yeah, no, I think people abandon their cars on the road on the way up and stuff. Uh, I don't think I've been to anything. I've been to things where there was a two-hour wait to get to the parking lot, and you know that's that's really nothing in comparison to this. I can't even imagine. So. So were you born in 1970? Close. Oh. I, I was born in 71. Okay. Um, right, but. I figured if I was going to start doing a year, it might as well be the beginning of the decade. So, so 1970 seemed kind of a logical year to start. Zero. Yeah, to start on a zero year. Hey guys, I, I think I'm going to turn in now because I actually got to be up early tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Any quick reports, guys? Yeah, we haven't so, heard anything from you though, Brian. Things yeah, sorry for monopolizing the conversation. Things are going all right for me. Um, go, you know, law school starts back up in uh, September, and uh, and learning more. And you've been and, sleep, yeah. sleeping all right. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I do got to get to sleep because because you know I got I got stuff to do in the morning. But yeah, I understand. And you're good to hear from you guys. Stay away from the blue screens when you're trying to go to sleep. You oh know, yeah! I've told you this before, Brian. And therapist this so. too. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. But yeah, and I may be running pretty soon, fellas. Yeah, me too. Like I said, this weather. Although today's been, we had two major rainstorms, so it was hard to do much of anything. I did anyway, but. Yeah, we've been getting, like, torrential rains, though. Like I said, with such regularity, I... Is it now uh, at the same time that it's speed, like 334? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing that, you know, it might just be a climactic pattern that I just haven't been alive and living in Florida long enough to see, but I don't think so. I think there's something else going on, especially after the Northeast. had That was, like, the coldest winter in... A really long time. You guys got all the snow. Oh, yeah. Well, Boston. Boston much worse. Well, all right, yeah. Doesn't that count as the Northeast? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, New York, we, we, people here complain, but there's nothing compared to Boston. Oh, no, I got a buddy. His daughter lives there. <laughs> you know, they were filling up parking lots with it and starting fires just trying to melt the snow. Yeah. <laughs> 
They had nowhere to put it. And I guess she lives on a, you know, to get to her apartment is down a, little, a narrow alley, which is narrow when there's no snow, and, you know, but if there's a car on either side, there's just enough room for one car. With the snow, they just left those cars there, and it was just like this little trail. Right. You driving the snow would be touching both sides of your car. <laughs> and it's not going to work for long. Yep. But you know, you warm things up, the moisture goes up. Got to come down. I did hear something interesting though that they were saying that the sea temperatures haven't increased like they were predicted to. Oh really? Really? And uh, you know, of course, the, the deniers just eat that up. But what right. they're saying is that they didn't realize. But when they do the the temperature, they go from the surface of the water. But then it's actually warming up deeper inside because the whole thing you know about the change being slower than predicted that they, they figured out is because the ocean has a capacity to absorb a lot more heat than they thought it did right but so it's taking it in it's not showing it on the surface but everything is warming up down underneath which is the same as up here in that you change ecosystems when you change temperatures. Because yeah. creatures that couldn't go down there before now go down there. The ones that need it colder are moving to a different place. So, yeah. no, no, they say plants are moving too. I think they're moving north. And then Alaska, some parts of Alaska didn't freeze at all. Oh, yeah. It's which is a disaster for them. Yeah because they gotta wait for things to freeze so they can drive over the top of the mud. If it doesn't freeze, they can't get their supplies. They have to fly stuff in. Much right. more expensive. All right, I'm gonna take off, dude. Oh, all right, well, it was nice talking to you. Yeah, nice talking to you guys. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that yeah. you've recharged. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I'll let you finish. No, I'll let you finish. Yeah, I, thank you guys so much. This was a lot of fun. I hope I didn't talk too much. And you guys yeah, are always, you're, you guys are always happy to tell me to dial it back. Or yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that we've got to know you better, we will. We're always good. No, seriously. We always let the new guys yammer the first night, and then after that, we'll, we'll put you in your place. Don't worry about it. You were a good guest. <laughs> anyway, check I out that video better. I sent. Did you see that video, Epic? What, of the songs emerging? The dance to the song song? No, no. Wait, wait, I, I put it in the chat, yeah. I'm going to watch it right now. Click on it. Yeah, and, and it'll you're going to be walking around. You're going to hear it everywhere. Oh, no. And it's not even that song, but it's just they use the algorithms. Right. It's crazy. Fun, though. I'll play it, I'll play it right after. All right, good. That'll be fun. And I'll play it, too, so we'll still be together. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Next time, Tom. Okay. Have a good night, guys. Thanks. All right. Night, night.